Adam Eland, the former state auditor of public accounts, has been looking to get back into the political ring since losing his re-election bid in 2015. Eland discusses how serious he is about running for governor and what it's like being a Democrat in a red state. Stay with us. This is Inquire. For the Messenger Inquirer, I'm Don Wilkins, and this week we had an impromptu guest, Adam Edlin, the former state auditor of public accounts, who happened to be in Owensboro, so we thought we'd catch up with Edlin since he has been floating the idea of becoming a gubernatorial candidate for governor next year. Uh, Mr. Edlin, I appreciate you, your time and coming in to talk to us this week, and, and tell us why you're here right now in, in Davis County. Well, it's always good to be back in Davis County. You know, I grew up just down the road in Meade County, and, you know, my family, uh, I'm one of these people who understands what West Kentucky really is, uh, and that doesn't just start at the uh, the western border of Jefferson County. Uh, you know, my, I'm from a farm family in Meade County. We, we, we sold tobacco off of Parrish Avenue my whole childhood. We My dad still hauls grain to Owensboro Grain, so uh, I'm, I'm very familiar with this community, and it really is great to be back. I am, I'm down here. I'm spending a lot of time campaigning two or three nights a week for Democratic candidates, generally for the state legislature. And I'm, I'm in Owensboro tonight appearing for Bob Glenn, and I'm excited to be here and excited to have this opportunity to spend some time with you on your podcast. Well, one of the things, and you mentioned, you know, you, you've been here doing some campaigning and whatnot for some local Democrats, and one of the, one of the issues I wanted to, to talk to you about that is about being a Democrat, especially a state Democrat in a, in a, in essentially a red state. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you were to watch, you know, CNN or Fox News, you know, they put up the red and blue states. Kentucky's always one of those red states, you know, and you've spent time in Frankfurt, a lot of time in Frankfurt and so, and just going around the state. So talk about, you know, what that's like. Well, it's tough, and, and I think a lot of that is because we as a party have gotten away from uh, paying attention to the sort of bread-and-butter issues that manage uh, that matter to regular folks. You know, my first job in politics was for Wendell Ford, and, you know, we're talking about an Owensboro icon, but he was also a Kentucky icon, but he did so well for so long because he talked about issues that were important to folks. Uh, he didn't just talk to... Uh, about issues that were important to him and in, in the National Party. And I think, um, to a large extent, in so many cases, the National Democratic Party has lost its way. And there are a lot of people who feel sold out by trade policies. They feel like uh, the two parties both value Wall Street over Main Street. And we have, we as a party have permitted some things that we shouldn't have to happen. I mean, the fact that College tuition, for instance, is now largely unaffordable to people who come from working class families. You know, that's not the Republicans' problem. The Republicans have never been the party that was uh, supposed to worry about that. That's a Democratic issue. And the fact that tuition, books, room, and board at the University of Kentucky now cost somewhere between twenty-five dollars and $30,000 a year is a scandal. But you don't hear enough conversation about that. We live in a time and a place where you know, people's, um, uh, where the, the roads are, are getting worse, where the internet doesn't go to every house, which is a prerequisite for new economy, economic development. Uh, people's utility bills are getting higher. Education is more expensive. Wages have stagnated. And the Democratic Party has not focused on these issues uh, for far too long. 
And I think that's why we find the, find ourselves in the spot we're in. I think most Kentuckians would tell you that it's not so much that they left the Democratic Party, it's that the Democratic Party has left them. And I'm one of these folks out here saying it is time to reconnect people to a belief that we are our brother's keeper and that we owe a little something to each other in a civil society, and that means a quality, affordable education. It means people ought to have access to quality, affordable health care. And we can't make any apologies for that. And I'm, I'm a big believer that our party has got to have a broader message but is focused on pocketbook concerns. And when we have gotten away from that, that's when we started losing elections in Kentucky. And, uh, and, and shame on us for it. Now, I would say that you look at the typical Trump voter in Kentucky. These aren't Republicans either. These are people who feel like the system has, has uh, given them short shift and sold them out. And that's why they voted for a really non-traditional uh, candidate in, in the Republican Party. He's the least Republican of all those candidates that ran. So I think the lesson here is that people want something different. They want something authentic. And they want people who have the courage to talk like they do and admit when the system's not working and to uh, advocate for things that are different. So it's not just about party. It's about the same old candidate saying the same old stuff is giving us an electorate that's just out of gas. And if we want them to get them engaged again, and I think we're seeing some of that this election, you got to give people a reason to be for you rather than just against the other guy. Now, in, in 2015, you know, we looked at this. We had this, I guess, what you consider Republican wave. Oh, yeah. It cost and, me my job. And, and, and so I was going to ask you about that. You know, you were you were defeated by uh, Republican Mike Harmon, a relatively unknown at right. that time. And so, you know, how, how do you, what, what do you think led to, to this Republican wave then? And, and, and as you look back on it, was there anything that, that could have been done in any way to... Don, to there's a lot that could have been done. Okay. You know, for instance, we went into that election. If you'll remember, um, at, the top of, at the top of the ticket, the Democratic candidate, Jack Conway, who is a lovely person, but his entire campaign was based on telling people that Matt Bevin was the wrong guy, right? I mean, we talked about Matt Bevin's flip-flopping on every issue. We talked about that, you know, he was a Tea Party, uh, Tea Party conservative here, but when he lived in New Hampshire and ran his uh, family's factory that he, that he took a government bailout. I mean, it was all, the entire campaign was about disqualifying Matt Bevin. And what that meant was that the Democratic Party and our candidates had no opportunity uh, to talk about what we were for and what we would do when we got there. And the criticism of the Democratic Party in 2015 was a party that was out of gas and out of ideas. And when you look back at the campaign that was run, particularly in the governor's race, it's hard to argue with that. I don't remember Jack introducing a single new idea. And so when you just say bad things about the other guy and the other guy has an energy and some ideas, people will go with the person who has ideas, even if they're the wrong ideas. Now, I would argue, particularly over the last few years, we've seen, I think Kentuckians have a dramatic and clear sense that Matt Bevin has taken us in the wrong direction as a state. But we're not going to beat Matt Bevin. We're not going to rebuild the Democratic Party. We're not going to get Kentucky moving in the right direction unless we talk about new ideas for getting us in that direction. Listen, cops, firefighters, school teachers, public employees, uh, folks whose kids are in school, people who care about their community, I think all understand that we've got a governor who's way outside the mainstream. But if you don't use that to pivot to talk about what you're for and how you're going to do it, you miss an opportunity. And you know, the reason that the, the Democratic Party was largely swept, swept out in 15 is that we ran a negative campaign. And when you run a negative campaign, you get a negative consequence. And it's how, you know, I was endorsed by every newspaper in the state, including this one, I think. And, and 
Um, we did a lot of things the right way. But in a movement wave election, a lot of good people get swept out. I was one of them. But I think the lesson of that campaign is, one, I'll never run on the down ballot again. <laughs> I, I am, if I, when I run again, it will be at the top so I can have a little more say in determining my own destiny. I mean, we got wiped out because of electoral failures at the top. But there are things we can do better. And the number one thing we can do better, Don, for everybody in politics is talk about what you're for rather than just a, just about what you're against. Well, of course, the, Republic, the, the Republican uh, platform, and they come at you, you with you know, the national issues, gun control, yeah. abortion, immigration, climate. And in Kentucky, climate means coal. Right. And, and so how do you guys you know, overcome that when— even in Davis County here, at least the last time I checked, we were two to one Democrat. But, That's right. But here lately, they voted more Republican. And then when you ask somebody, they say, well, I'm a, I'm a Southern Democrat, which right. just means they haven't taken the time to, to Switch change parties. Switch parties yet. Right. And, and so how, because uh, you, you can't run on a, as a Southern Democrat. So right. how do you overcome, you know, overcome these national issues? Because that's what they, that's what they throw at you. And that's, how, you know, the, all the commercials you see. Yep. And. And so, and they throw a lot of money at this. So, that's right. And I know you, you mentioned that you're, you know, uh, throwing throwing around the idea of running for governor. So you're going if you, and if you do decide this uh, to run for governor, you know what you're going to be faced Absolutely. with. Absolutely. How do you overcome that? So I think you overcome that by worrying less about party. And for me, it's going to be spending a lot of time talking about how we build a modern economy in Kentucky that works for people who are willing to work. And the way you do that is to have credibility because you've worked on uh, real projects. And I don't know if you all are aware of this, but you will shortly. Uh, for the last two and a half years, I've been working on closing the deal on a $150 million solar installation in eastern Kentucky on a mountaintop removal site where I have brought together a coal company from eastern Kentucky with a renewable energy developer from Europe to do what will be the first uh, large-scale project in Appalachia and the biggest in this part of the country. We believe that we'll create jobs for about 400 out-of-work coal miners. And that is an example of, listen, y'all, if you think the gap, the distance between Republicans and Democrats is big, you ought to try it between French renewable energy firm executives and eastern Kentucky coal executives. Talk about a gap. But I was able to bring these folks together. I think we will announce that deal within the next several weeks. And it's going to have huge impact. But I think if we're going to build the economy of the future, and make no mistake, that's what the next set of elections in Kentucky ought to be about. Because the number one issue is that the economy is no longer working for people who work. Whether you're an hourly employee who's trying to keep a middle-class income, that's becoming more difficult to do. If you are a farmer trying to send your kid to college, that's becoming more difficult to do. If you are um, a salaried employee who's trying to be able to afford uh, a base level of, 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 uh, of health care, that's becoming more difficult to do. Work ought to be able to, people who are willing to work ought to be able to enjoy a middle-class living. And we have gotten away from that in this commonwealth in this country, and we've got to rebuild that. I think one of the ways we do that is to build the economy of the future. A big piece of it's renewable energy. Another is making sure we've got the technological infrastructure uh, that brings the Internet to every holler and in every hood in Kentucky and everywhere in between. Uh, it means we can't 
continue to shortchange education. We've got to really invest in workforce, and we've got to make sure that people who go about and have the discipline to pursue a higher education aren't bankrupted when they graduate with a degree. And we've got to make sure that we are creating educational opportunities that match the jobs that are being demanded and are going to be required in the private sector. That is what I've just described as a Kentucky of the future. Um, I think that's how we get there, and I think that's a compelling message, but you're going to have to have uh, people who have new ideas and new energy talking about these, because if it's the same old, same old, people are going to, uh, it's easy to, bl- it's easy to blow off. And I think people are looking for something new and different, but they want to hear those messages from people who are new and different. Now we talked about, you know, the, the 2015 Republican wave. Now here lately, we have this, this remember in November kind of movement or wave that I think, the Democrats are hoping to take advantage of. Of course, that has to do with the pension bill and, and how that was all handled by, you know, in Frankfurt. And, and so do you think that this pension issue and, and this Remember November movement, do you think it's going to have a real impact in I come d- the general election? I do. So I'm, I'm, I'm appearing for candidates all over the state, and there's an unmistakable energy. But it would be, it would be in, inaccurate to see this just through the partisan prism. You know, the, the, you know the, the Republicans ran well in 15 and 16 at the expense of the Democrats. I believe that the Democrats are going to do well this election, um, but this is largely fueled by bipartisan rage. Um, there were a lot of school teachers who voted for Matt Bevan in 2015 who would love to have the opportunity to cast that ballot again. Do, do you think that? Do you think they, uh, Bevan, Governor Bevan, underestimated the teachers and 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 how they would feel? I mean, because you start messing with people's jobs, you start messing with their emotions. That's right, and and I think it is. You know, I do think he underestimated it, but I don't. I think my problem with Matt Bevan is I think he fundamentally doesn't understand Kentucky. And it's not just because, you know, he has he wasn't born here. I think he has a very narrow political ideology. And I think he views his job as advancing a political ideology, a very narrow political ideology, at the expense of serving the community and um, in, in, in serving the Commonwealth. My guess is, you know, a fundamental difference between Matt Bevan and I is that when Matt Bevan comes to Owensboro, my guess is that he talks about uh, pursuing a conservative ideology that results in right to work and, and repealing the prevailing wage, when what Owensboro really needs is a governor who recognizes that Owensboro's critical economic development need is, uh, is access to an interstate. Um, we need to begin rewarding the pragmatic and the practical over the ideological in this state. And I think Matt Bevan views every partisan fight, every policy fight in Frankfurt is one where he's trying to pursue this, this really narrow political ideology that he believes is right and everybody else is wrong. And it's led him to do things like disrespecting teachers and cops and firefighters. And I think the middle and working class of the state said, you know, if you don't respect the work that school teachers do or cops or firefighters or rank and file state employees, that means you don't have a lot of respect for the middle class. And I think that's why his approval rating is so, it's historically low. I mean, listen, Matt Bevan's approval rating in Kentucky is low than when Governor Fletcher's when he was under indictment. That is extraordinary. And he is at a historically low number. And it's not just Democrats who don't like what he's doing. It's a it's a big chunk of Republicans and most independents as well. Yeah, and even though uh, Kentucky is viewed as a national red state, I mean, uh, Kentucky voters are open to voting for Democratic governors. I mean, Correct. historically, we've 
you know, you know, we've have more Democratic governors than than Republicans. Um, so there is some openness there, but it just seems more and more this state has gone more uh, conservative. But Don, I think that's right. And what I tell people is that, you know, folks need not. I mean, Matt Bevin's difficulties uh, are are only good news for the Democratic Party if the Democratic Party tries to be different and tries to advocate an agenda that's good for people who work for a living. And, you know, what I tell folks as a result of, of Matt Bevin's overreach and what's happened in Frankfurt, there are people, to your point, who are prepared to give Democratic candidates a second look. But if that second look reveals nothing more than the same old people and the same old names saying the same old stuff, that look won't last longer than a glance. And I think the challenge for the Democratic Party and ultimately what's best for the state is that the Democratic Party gets with it and starts doing what we need to do to advocate the development of a modern economy in the state. Now, uh, I can't let you get out of here because I know you've thrown out the idea that you, you may run for uh, governor. Um, how serious... Are you uh, about that? Well, I'm awfully serious, and and uh, you know I've, I've been working hard on this, and I've been thinking about the issues that have impacted Kentucky uh, for since I was probably 20 years old, and I think I've got. Uh, a body of work where I filled up the jails as state auditor. I don't think anybody doesn't believe I wasn't very hard on public corruption, which is going to be really important because... Richie Farmer knows that very Richie well. Richie Farmer knows it. I arranged Richie Farmer a 27-month stay in the federal pen. And, and if I had my way, it would have been longer. But, you know, the, the point is, Republican or Democrat, we are a poor state, and a poor state can't afford to lose a single dollar to waste inefficiency or corruption. And I have a better body of work of fighting corruption, I think, than anybody on the political stage. Uh, in Kentucky. But beyond that, I think I have a clearer vision of what it takes to build an economy and an educational and healthcare system that makes Kentucky well positioned to compete in the modern, in the 21st century. Now, and do you have a, a, a kind of a deadline, a timeline of when you'll make your decision? Yeah, I, I, certainly by the end of the year. Um, I don't feel the, I don't, I think it's important that everybody focus on the elections coming up uh, in the first week of November. Um, I suspect uh, other candidates will get in between now and then, but I think certainly you've got to have to. I, I intend to decide by Thanksgiving and make an announcement uh, at some point in December. Of course, Andy Bashir has already been campaigning and raised yep. a lot of money. I mean, how does that factor into your decision? It it really doesn't. I mean, I, Andy is a friend, and I think um, I'll continue to think highly of him. But we're living in a place where people want something different, and I think Andy's challenge is to communicate that he is he is a clean break from the past when his father was frankly such an important part of the past. Um, the amount of money he raised is not a uh, it, it, it's not a disincentive to me or frankly shouldn't be to anybody else because I think the lesson of the last couple of elections is that money no longer picks the candidates. It's certainly important to getting your message out. Uh, but Matt Bevin was outspent five to one in the governor's race and one in a landslide. Donald Trump was outspent, good Lord knows how much, by Hillary Clinton and, uh, and, 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 you know, was able to get a victory. I think it's about the quality of the message, and I think it's about having a candidate that, em that embodies and can sell that message in a convincing way. I think that's really where the future is, and if that's what the race is about, I feel very good about my chances. Well, Mr. Elon, I appreciate your time for, for talking with us, and, and good luck to you going forward, all right? Thanks for having me. And that will wrap up our show for this week. I want to thank Adam Edlin. For joining me to send us questions or provide feedback, email us at newscast at messenger-inquire.com. Remember, you can find us on the Messenger Inquire's website, its mobile app, iTunes, and Stitcher, where you can subscribe to Inquire. 
Until next time, I'm Don Wilkinson. Good day for Inquire.